We have on the line with us uh, David McDonald. He is an attorney with Mountain States Legal Foundation. Mountain States Legal Foundation does tremendous work in uh, make, working to make sure that they protect the rights of individuals. And uh, David McDonald, welcome to the AmeriChicks. Hi, thanks for having me. There's a really important case that is going to be heard at the Supreme Court regarding crosses at World War I memorials. And uh, set this up a little bit for us. What is the Supreme Court case exactly, David? So the Supreme Court case uh, that's currently pending will be argued on February 27th is the American Legion versus the American Humanist Association. Now, what the case is about is there's a 40-foot-tall uh, concrete cross memorial in Bladensburg, Maryland, sort of a, a suburb of D.C. It was erected in 1925 to honor the 49 soldiers from the local area who died in the First World War uh, by both the war mothers, and then when they couldn't uh, come up with the financing, they were helped out by the American Legion. Now, the American Humanist Association uh, challenged the the monument recently in 2014, saying it violated the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment. Uh, they're claiming that this is a, an endorsement of religion by the state and that it, it violates the First Amendment rights as the wall of separation, so-called wall of separation between mm-hmm. church and state. Um, yeah, so that's that's a case that's currently being argued for the Supreme Court uh, later, <clears throat> this, uh, later this year. Well, it's going to be fascinating, and I know it's difficult to get into the weeds regarding the Establishment Clause, but you just said two words that are, are different. Uh, in the Constitution, it, it says that, that basically uh, the government cannot establish a religion. However, it sounds like the case that the American humanists have brought forward regarding this cross at Bladensburg is uh, that they're saying that government is endorsing a, re- a religion. Those are two different words, establishment and endorsing, just right off the bat, at least from what I can see. Exactly. That, that's 100% right. And that's sort of the basic argument that we made in our brief. Um, the fact of the matter is the, the text of the First Amendment says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. And the fact is, the Constitution means what it says. Uh, that that establishment clause is not about uh, whether there is a, a, a vague endorsement or what the Supreme Court has said as an entanglement. Uh, those are all later inventions of the 20th century that really have almost no bearing in the actual text or context of the of the First Amendment. Okay. Well. Okay, then I, I want to ask one other question, kind of maybe oh, yeah. a little bit off the rails. But when Justice Scalia uh, was in town several years ago before his death, uh, I, I asked him this question. I said, if, in fact, uh, Congress is to make no laws establishing a religion or if government is not to establish a religion, and mm-hmm. if we take a, a look at the definition of religion as a belief system, and the American humanists believe in nothing, and so they want uh, want nothing. Uh, they they don't want the cross. They want nothing. Is that not in a way establishing a religion? I know that's kind of a a circular question, but I wanted to hear what you had to say about that. Well, if you do take this sort of modern uh, version, let's call it that, of the First Amendment, I think you could definitely make that argument. Uh, 
what we're arguing actually is a little bit different from that, which is that you have to look at the First Amendment in the context in which it was written. The founding generation weren't concerned about whether a football team can have a prayer in the locker room or whether uh, grieving mothers can erect a cross to memorialize their son's sacrifices. They were concerned about the Church of England. They just fought a seven-year-long war against a tyrannical government that exerted its authority, at least in part, through that church hierarchy. So what they were very concerned about was the very real establishment of religion, meaning the forceful exaction of tithes from unwilling dissenters. And while there's the evidence about whether the Church of England was sort of a fifth column is kind of out there, but that was definitely a concern that the founders had, is you have uh, the state-backed religion, which uh, really harms both civic government and religion. Okay, another question then that we hadn't really talked about, but but that is, is I, I believe that there are religions, belief systems, in 2019 America that are being pushed forth. And what comes to mind with me is is Jack Phillips and the Masterpiece Cake Shop case, where government is coming in and saying, if you don't affirm, if you don't believe what we are saying, which uh, the Colorado Civil Rights Commission, if you do not believe that, then we are going to stop you from uh, pursuing your happiness, from 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 the job that you have. And I know that many people have looked at the Masterpiece Cake Shop as a freedom of religion um, uh, uh, question. I really see that. I see that there, but I also see it as a property rights. And I guess they're very intertwined because if government is forcing you on a religion uh, of which you mentioned the the colonists were fighting back against the religion that was being imparted upon them in England, I'm not sure that I see that it's that much different in 2019 America. What do you think, David? No, I agree. And, and I'm glad you brought up the, the Jack Phillips Masterpiece Cake Shop decision. So I think something that's important about that decision that Justice Kennedy wrote in his opinion was that the uh, free exercise of religion and the fact that Congress can't establish religion does not mean that Congress must be actively hostile to religion. In fact, it means exactly the opposite. Uh, the thing that like, the founders were concerned about was this use of state authority to uh, infringe upon the personal liberties of the people. And, of course, the way that affects property rights is, is very well connected to this. So this is basically you have, um, like in our case, we're representing the town of Taos, New Mexico. It's a small town in New Mexico that has its own cross-memorial and they received a letter from the Freedom From Religion Foundation. That's a, an atheist organization from Wisconsin. So you have these outsiders coming in, trying to use their interpretation of the Constitution to attack this community that really just wants to honor its legacy and honor its war dead. And it's really an offensive violation of the sort of local autonomy, the personal autonomy that Americans hold dear. Oh, we've got to talk about this whole thing in Taos because uh, it's it's very important. Of course, the Supreme Court case is going to affect that. But as I was writing the promo for your segment here for the show, I thought something was very important that that these crosses were erected to honor 
individuals who gave their last full measure for uh, for basically for our country. And I asked Steve on Friday as I was as writing this, I said, what's the opposite of honor? Isn't it disrespect? So if, if we no longer are going to honor them, then are we disrespecting them? So uh, keep that in, in mind right now, David. We'll be right back talking with David McDonald with Mountain States Legal Foundation and the Memorial Cross in Taos, New Mexico. I got a woman. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks. I'm Kim Munson, we, and we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. want to jump right back in here with David McDonald. He is an attorney with Mountain States Legal Foundation. Uh, and you, uh, Mountain States Legal Foundation uh, filed an amicus brief regarding this case uh, of the uh, cross back in Bladensburg, Maryland, but you mentioned Taos, New Mexico. And as we were preparing, David, you also mentioned the Bataan Death March. So explain Taos's cross so that uh, our, our listeners can understand what's going on down there. Right. So we are representing, like, like you said, the Taos, town of Taos, New Mexico. It's a small art colony in New Mexico. It's famous for its artistic community and the historic Pueblo. Um, the town of Taos really has a special and unique relationship with um, the horrible Baton Death March, um, which your listeners may know about. If they don't, this was uh, hours after the attack on Pearl Harbor. Uh, Japanese Empire attacked American positions and the Filipino allies in the Philippines. Now, the men of the 200th Coastal Artillery Regiment from New Mexico's New Mexico National Guard, they were stationed in the Philippines uh, because they were largely Hispanic, so they, a lot of them spoke Spanish. And they were really the first line of defense. Uh, they were the, some of the first Americans uh, to engage with the Japanese Army in World War II. Uh, they were the first to sustain casualties in the Pacific Theater after those at Pearl Harbor. And wow. what happened, yeah, so you had these men who were fighting. This is, if anyone recalls the, the Battle of the Philippines, this is the worst American uh, military defeat in history. And these brave men spent three months fighting a delaying action against wow. more and more waves of Japanese troops until finally uh, General Sharp had to surrender the last of the garrison um, in April or in May uh, to, in order to cover General MacArthur's retreat to Australia. Now, when uh, he surrendered the troops, 60 to 80,000 American and Filipino troops mm-hmm. were taken captive mm-hmm. by the Japanese. And they were taken on a 65-mile forced march uh, to, the, to the concentration camp where they would be held. During the march, they were randomly and arbitrarily uh, taken for torturing and execution. Anyone who couldn't keep up was executed um, the soldiers from Taos and the other soldiers from New Mexico were actually singled out for especially harsh treatment because Japanese forces were frustrated. They couldn't tell the difference between them and the Filipino soldiers. So by the time they get to their destination, anywhere from eight to 25,000, depending on your estimates, soldiers died along the way, uh, while the rest were forced to live in a squalid conditions, tortured and forced into slave labor for another two and a half years before they were freed at the end of the war. And of the 64 men from Taos County 
who went off to fight, uh, only about half of them ever even returned home. So the town of Taos erected a cross uh, to, in honor, in respect of uh, these young men who lost their lives in World War II. When did they erect yes, this yes. cross? Uh, it was finally erected in 1960. After a few years of uh, grieving war mothers, they, the group of them got together. They raised entirely private donations and funds until finally in 1960 they erected uh, the cross memorial in, ta- in the town plaza in memory of those, those 60, uh, 64 men who went out to fight and those that didn't come home. Um, later, it was rededicated in 1995 to honor as well as those soldiers, the rest of the New Mexico soldiers who fought in the war. You know, David, uh, the opposite of honor is disrespect. And uh, if, if we take down these crosses, I mean, we have seen, seen amazing, I mean, astonishing things, not amazing, astonishing things happen in America where we've seen statues pulled down, uh, really going at the fabric of our history. And the history of a country, the history of an individual, nothing is perfect in it. But if you don't look back, if you don't understand your history, you can't make good decisions going forward. And so this cross, uh, so many of our children do not know about World War II, and, and that is one of the projects that, that we've been working on. And, uh, in fact, we've interviewed over 100 World War II veterans, and uh, I've learned a lot about the Bataan Death March. You cannot believe how awful the conditions were. They, they were actually run over, uh, our, our prisoners. They looked at our our American soldiers as less than human. And that is a very dangerous thing when that happens, when one individual looks at a group of individuals as less than human. What happens is, is we have World War II. But here's this little town uh, in New Mexico that sent 64 of their young men off and only half of them returned. And what a wonderful thing to erect a cross to honor that. We only have about three minutes. But first of all, Thank you to you and Mountain State's Legal Foundation for stepping up for the fight on this, because this is, I think, a fight for the fabric of who we are as Americans and our our, our identity. So, um, you know, talk just a little bit more about your, your final thoughts on what's going to happen here. Thank you for those kind words, and thank you for the work that you've done in telling the stories of veterans. Uh, but like you said, this is... Uh, really about remembering the sacrifices these men made and the reason why we use crosses, the same reason why we have the crosses at Arlington National Cemetery or the reason why we have crosses at the side of the road um, when like highway patrolmen are killed. Uh, one of the reasons why we do that is because the cross is one of the only universal symbols that we all know, regardless of your own personal belief. We all know what it means. And especially in this day and age of fractured media landscapes and partisanship, we really have precious few of those symbols left. And when you have organizations, especially organizations of outsiders, coming in and trying to tell communities of Americans that you can't honor your past the way that you think is most appropriate, you can't honor your war dead in the way you think best lives up to their sacrifice, uh, that's really a sign that something's gone wrong in the way we look at our rights here in America. Boy, I hadn't thought about it that way, that these American Humanist Society and all they're saying, you can't honor 
those that have sacrificed everything so that we can live in freedom. You can't honor them. Oh, my gosh, that is a horrible, horrible message. And we, we, we can't be asleep about this anymore. We have been asleep, I think, uh, David. We've, we've just good, well-meaning people. We've just let this stuff happen. So we can't be asleep anymore. We've got to take a stand. And we also have to know our history. And so when, when folks are in Taos and look at that cross and they're with their, their children and their grandchildren, you need to know the story so that you can explain that to our kids. But... But most definitely taking a stand. Thank you so much, David McDonald. Keep us informed on what's going on. Right, will do. Thank you for having me. And more information. Let's see. What is your website, David? Oh, you can reach us. We're at mountainstateslegal.com or mountainstateslegal.org. I forget which one it is. I think they both work. Okay. Uh, you can see all the great work we're doing. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, uh, all your social media. Okay, fantastic. Thanks, David. And uh, you have a great Thank week. You. And uh, a positive thought for today is uh, I think we need to make sure we have 24 hours in a day and we need to spend them well. So read great books, think great thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and in the words of Superman, strive for truth, justice, and the American way. Our uh, quote for today is from Daniel Webster. He was an American statesman. He represented New Hampshire and Massachusetts in Congress and served as the United States Secretary of State under Presidents William Henry Harrison, John Tyler, and Millard Millard Fillmore. He says, let us not forget the religious character of our origin. Our fathers were brought here by their high veneration for the Christian religion. They journeyed by its light and labored in its hope. They sought to incorporate its principles with the elements of their society and to diffuse its influence through all their institutions, civil, political, and literary. Let us uh, cherish these sentiments and extend this influence still more widely in the full conviction that this is the happiest society which partakes in the highest degree of the mild and peaceable spirit of Christianity. That's Daniel Webster. He lived from 1782 to 1852, one of our, our great statesmen here in America. This is the AmeriChicks. We're signing off. Tomorrow's going to be a fascinating show. We'll be talking with Jerome Corsi regarding Mueller's witch hunt. So you'll want to tune in for that. Uh, We are the AmeriChicks. God bless you. God bless America.